You are here to learn the subtle science and exact art of potion making, he began. He spoke in barely more than a whisper, but they caught every word. Like Professor McGonagall, Snape had the gift of keeping a class silent without effort. As there is little foolish wand-waving here, many of you will hardly believe this is magic. I don't expect you will really understand the beauty of the softly simmering cauldron with its shimmering fumes, the delicate power of liquids that creep through human veins, bewitching the mind, ensnaring the senses. I can teach you how to bottle fame, brew glory, even stopper death, if you aren't as big a bunch of dunderheads as I usually have to teach. What's up, potheads? Welcome to the restricted section, in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss how the story and its themes have stayed with a generation into adulthood. Thank you for listening. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry, we did it for you. Here's what we are talking about today. Chapter 8, The Potions Master. In this chapter, Harry and Ron get their first taste of life at Hogwarts, We get to see all their new classes and meet their new teachers, and get used to Hogwarts, the castle, and its many quirks. We go to double potions with the Slytherins, which is a fate that the Gryffindors will have to suffer for many years. Professor Snape is not kind, class does not go well, and poor Neville ends up in the hospital wing, and Harry ends up getting a lot of points taken from Gryffindor. Luckily, Harry gets invited to tea at Hagrid's hut, where he can commiserate about his rough first week. Okay, well, let's get started. How's everybody doing today? I peed in a bucket today. Oh, God. (laughs) Haley, would you like to elaborate, or you want to leave it at that? Uh, You know what? I'm just going to leave it at that. Damn it. Uh, my, my landlord sent um, a plumber over uh, and gave me about 15 minutes notice and it turned out that he was replacing all of my pipes and he fully removed my toilet so from about <laughs> 9, yeah, no, 8.45 to I'm going to say 3.30pm I did not have a bathroom Yay. hashtag work from home Yay! it was the best <laughs> I feel like I might not have to, I mean, you, that's a long time you'd have to use the restroom, but I feel like I would definitely need to use the restroom as soon as someone takes it away from me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, who who's here today? Let's do a roll call, even though we've all been talking for like five minutes. It's me. Hello. Your host, Christina. And today, all by myself, I'm drinking some red wine. I've got Color Block brand. That's like a six or seven dollar bottle. So I'm pretty classy, basically. And wow. it, it's Cabernet Sauvignon. Nice. I'm Grace. I am drinking a Devil's Backbone dark rum. Wow. Delicious. Mm-hmm. I'm Mary Payton, and I am drinking something I just mixed together from what I have in my kitchen due to coronavirus. So I'm drinking something that I decided to call a good kick, and bear with me. It's um, ginger ale, vodka. I put some lemon juice and I put some extra actual ginger in it mm. to try and, mm. you know, stave off this coronavirus. And I named it a good yep. kick in honor of Mrs. Norris. 
who like the like the coronavirus is literally everywhere all the time trying to f you over so when you messaged us earlier being like everyone gonna get drinks ready for tonight right you really meant it yeah, yeah. I, I was just I like, actually, yeah, bitch, I can open a bottle of wine. Like, I'm <laughs> well, I have that. I have, like, multiple drinks up here because for some reason I got really worried about the fact that I was going to be locked in my room recording <laughs> this without access to my kitchen. So You I have, have, like, a like, wall of drinks. Things. Yeah, I don't know why. I but, killed a bottle <laughs> of wine just, like, I poured, like, the last glass in my bottle and I brought a backup bottle. Nice. What are you um, drinking, Haley? I, well, I'm Haley. Um, I have Fireball, which is the one liquor that I always have on hand, and uh, Summit Cola, Diet Summit Cola, which is Aldi's knockoff Coke. My sister was coming over, and I asked if there was anything special she wanted from the grocery store, and she said, oh, Diet Soda, and I got Diet Soda, and she drank none of it. So, wow. Well, great. Um, a little cheers to you guys, but don't bring your cooties anywhere near me. Same to you. Today we're doing the Potions Master, which um, that's a summary right there. It's about the Potions Master. <laughs> it's Harry's first day of school. Right off the bat, going to class, getting lost in Hogwarts, staircases. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Any thoughts, feelings about this opening, the opening montage? I was going to ask if I could read that part about the staircases, just because I love it so freaking much. Is that yeah. okay with everyone? Okay. Go ahead. <clears throat> there were 142 staircases at Hogwarts. Wide, sweeping ones, narrow, rickety ones, some that led somewhere different on a Friday, some with a vanishing step halfway up that you had to remember to jump. Then there were the doors that wouldn't open unless you asked politely or tickled them in exactly the right place, and doors that weren't really doors at all, but solid walls just pretending. I just, like, I love that. It's, yeah. what, <laughs> two sentences, and it's, like, every thing I could ever want. <laughs> the, the use of and, the like, verb... Pre- set up. The use of the verb pretending is, like, such um. Like, uh, what's, is it called, like, anthropomorphizing? What is, no. The, yeah, what's yeah, what's right? the literary yeah. word for I, it? I think it's, like, when you, when you. When you're assigning human attributes and motivations to, mm-hmm. it, yeah. yeah. I feel like there's a different literary word for it. Human I think you're right. So, something that I really like about this, like, just two paragraph little thing is that, like, I think that in the movies, the whole, like, moving staircases thing has kind of gotten embedded in a lot of our memories, but, like, that's not necessarily the case. It's just that sometimes they just go somewhere different. Like, just, they they follow their own rules. But I think that uh, in the books, like, the vanishing step halfway up uh, some of the staircases is the one that causes the most trouble. Oh, yeah. Because, like, there are multiple occasions where, like, Harry or Neville or somebody gets stuck in that stare at a really inopportune time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the one that comes immediately to mind is when he's doing the egg um, yes. in the Goblet of Fire and it, like, falls. Oh, my God, that's, like, the worst possible. Okay, but we'll get to that in a couple of years. I think that these couple paragraphs really um, stress me out. I, I get really anxious thinking about this whole situation. I'm really the type of person to plan things out and to really map out, you know, my roots. Like, even when I first started working at Brandy Lane, before I started, I even, like, drove down there to make sure I knew where it was. And so just all of this not knowing and and everything is just, oh, I can't even imagine. It really stresses me out, man. I feel like that's a, an adult, because, like, as an adult, I definitely agree with you. When I'm nervous about something new, I try to prepare all the 
all the variables that I I can control about it. Yeah. Like finding out where the classes are and stuff like that. But like as a kid, this paragraph, I don't even know what the word is to describe it. But as a kid reading this, I was nothing but stoked, like nothing but excited about being in a school where you couldn't find your way to class because you got lost on the staircases. Like that's just the coolest thing. As <laughs> it's great fun. The funny yeah. part is that they don't accept that as like a reason for being late to class. Like, right. Right. Like, hey, I got my foot stuck in a step and no one would help me for like six years and Peeves was like throwing boogers at me. And it's just like, well, you should have planned for that. Well, that's like half of how Hogwarts works. Like they don't just teach you how to do magic. They teach you how to adapt to like magical bullshit because that's what a lot of the magical world is. So like, yeah, if you got lost on your way to class for completely legitimate reasons, like sucks to suck, you should have been here anyway. Like... <laughs> We do not yeah. care. We talked about that last episode a little bit about how like a lot of being in the wizarding world is just being prepared for anything at any time. And that's yeah. like what you really need yeah. to learn. Yeah, yeah, that's like the closest thing I can think of in the muggle world is I'm a manager and people are late all the time due to traffic. And I'm like, but they're like, I get like traffic is obviously out of people's control um, and something that is a regular part of city life and working. But that's not an acceptable um, excuse anymore because you know that it's going to happen. So you have to prepare. So I think probably by the time they're graduating from Hogwarts, not that they do, <laughs> but by the time they should be um, wizards and witches are, are probably not late anymore because they figure out how to deal with that stuff. Yeah, I think by like book three or four, they really like they don't get lost anymore. Like that's a plot point in the first like two books with the kids like, oh, I've never been to this part of the castle before. But like you get less and less of that as the books go on. That's true. Yeah. And then when they come back for the final battle in the last book, all spoilers all the time, they know it so well (laughs) that they're able to use it to their advantage. Oh, true. So this is just like, really, we've talked before about how Hogwarts has like a spirit. Has a personality, and it's like they're just getting to know each other. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. I like that. <laughs> and then Peeves is like an extension, right? So, like, I think that like the part of Hogwarts where Peeves manifests as like a spirit is the same part that controls the disappearing steps and the walls pretending mm. to be doors. Yeah, it's the same kind of shenanigans. I love him screaming, got your conk, and grabbing your nose. <laughs> I read like, that, that last shot every time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like, so stupid. It's like, oh my god, dude, like, I am so late for class. Why are you doing this, like, baby prank on me? Especially, like, uh, and I'm like to make it too adult here, but, like, if you read that in a British accent, it definitely does not sound like conk. Got me. your conk. <laughs> Get it. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> yeah. Our logo says uh, adults only. <laughs> That's right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We met Peeves and then we also meet Filch. Oh, yeah. I just have to say, I just want to get y'all's thoughts on this. On the reread, I got some serious animagus vibes from Mrs. Norris. Mm. I don't know if anybody else got that. Yeah, she is very human-like in her... Um, she just has, like, it says, dusty-colored creature with bulging lamp-like eyes, just like Filch's. And I'm like, that bitch is, like, his sister or something. Ooh, <laughs> oh my god. That's that a good be a point. The most, supportive, the most supportive family member. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, anyone who knows cats knows that, like, I mean, you can't teach a cat to give a fuck, you know? Right. Right. So I feel like that's some anyway. human attitude right there. That's a pretty good point. When I read about Filch, I always just imagine 
the actor who plays Filch, I forget his name, but, like, the way that he gets so fucked over in Game of Thrones, and it just, like, makes me yes. feel so happy. I'm like, <laughs> you get your due in the end. I have only ever seen that guy play a good guy in, like, one role ever. He is always a dick otherwise. Do you remember yeah. the role? Uh, it's um, Abraham Satrakian and the Strain. It's a TV series by Guillermo del Toro. It's, like, mm. based on a book by Guillermo del Toro, and they worked on the TV series. It's about, like, the vampire apocalypse. Cool. I love oh, del Toro. Fuck yeah, I love vampire apocalypses. <laughs> so then the kids the kids it's harry and ron only at this point it's kind of weird because they keep being like where's hermione and then i'm like yeah. oh yeah she's studying <laughs> she hasn't met these guys yet but um they accidentally they try to break into the third mm-hmm. floor corridor and quarrel's the one who gets them out of trouble yeah and he's just he casually there watching that, yeah. yeah just lurking about mm. Does anyone else think it's kind of fucked up that there's a weird smell that lingers around his turban? Um, Voldemort has a smell, yeah. guys. Yeah, because in the book they're like, I well, l- it's probably garlic, but like we know it is not garlic. Voldemort smells I like garlic. Wrote down. <laughs> I wrote down as a note, smelly turban. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's funny because we like we know it's not garlic because the room smells like garlic, so. The turban smell is just a funny smell. And it's mm-hmm. it's crazy to me that she wrote it in such a way that even as a reader, we think, huh, that's weird. And then we we pass by it. Honestly, like that's if, that's yeah. how you write the perfect foreshadowing is you make people forget it. You make it hit in their head and, and you make them forget it. And that's such yeah, a you skill. Let, you let those little bits like add up. I feel mm-hmm. like if I was reading this for the first time, like as an adult with no prior knowledge of anything, I would assume that Quirrell was a stoner. And that's where he keeps his weed. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, and then it's like a montage of all these classes. I love uh, astronomy, right? Is it astronomy or astrology? Um, (laughs) I love love the sky one. It doesn't even say. It just says they had to study the night skies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I might be confusing this with the fact that they have divination in the astronomy tower, I think. Oh, Um, yeah. But I think thought astronomy was a class they didn't take until they were older no it's a class that they take but like it's once a week so they never okay. really talk about it but it's professor sinistra yeah that's what i was um, just about to say is like i always thought it was the most like it just sounds so nice to just be like staring up at the sky and i took a fucking astronomy class in college and i got to lay in the lawns and look at the night sky and it's like pretty zen yo and I just wish we had gotten to see more of it. Like, honestly, the only thing that happens in astronomy class in this whole series is that, like, battle in, what is that, book it's, six? It's it's their owl. It's book five. They're taking their owls, their astronomy owls, and they're on yes. top of the tower, and they see Hagrid yep. being attacked. You nailed oh it. God. You totally nailed yeah. it. Yeah. So that's the only thing. <laughs> they really hold that astronomy class. They're like, we're going to do something great with this eventually. <laughs> yeah, they don't really bring up Professor Sinistra that often. I don't think she's even named until book three or yeah i think it's um i think it's probably hermione maybe when she's talking about her time turner yeah that's true Mm -hmm. i love that uh history of magic is taught by a literal ghost (laughs) i know how ironic so So appropriate you are history (laughs) but he's just like so dedicated i wonder if he knows i mean they mentioned they imply that he doesn't even he didn't notice and he just got up to start teaching again. But like, yeah. did he find out? <laughs> I don't know. Just no one has the heart to tell him. 
<laughs> so that would be so funny yeah because there had to have been like a whole thing when he died but maybe he just like walked away and like went to go teach class and then went to his room and went to bed mm-hmm. and the next morning his body had been removed and he just like didn't even notice all his friends faces being like wow and i wonder because you know a lot of times with ghosts in any sort of story they say that you're you become a ghost if you have unfinished business in this world mm-hmm. and you have to finish mm-hmm. it before you can cross over so i wonder if I wonder what his business is because it can't just be to teach this class over and over again forever. <laughs> Maybe you've ever met like a really obsessive professor who's just like really, really <laughs> dedicated to their subject. True. He was writing yeah. a book and he never finished it. Ooh, maybe that's it. Yeah. Just this huge unfinished manuscript gathering dust on his desk. We also go to Arbology, and I don't appreciate the way they describe a dumpy little witch called Professor Sprout. I've said they several times, but like it's J.K. Rowling. Why'd you call her a dumpy little witch? <laughs> Come on, girl. I love her. Okay, and then History of Magic. And then we go to Charms, right, with Professor Flitwick. And he's little. He's, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's on a stack of books. <laughs> <laughs> and he loves Harry, unlike Professor Snape. That's true. Yeah, we're getting to Snape. Oh my god. Oh, yeah, we don't want to be... We cannot skip McGonagall. We cannot don't, skip don't be, McGonagall. As the Ents would say, don't be hasty. <laughs> yeah she just comes on real strong <laughs> i love her she doesn't like fuck around she doesn't mince words she's like you guys are here and i'm probably gonna be disappointed in most of you and then oh she turns the desk into a pig and then back again so like no one can say shit it makes sense totally that she's so stern because you don't realize until this part um when she says transfiguration is some of the most complex and dangerous magic you will learn at hogwarts anyone messing around in my class will leave and not come back you have been warned and then you're thinking about it, especially, I guess, as an adult and being like, well, yeah, like, she should be that stern. She's not being stern. She's being safe. Like, unlike the rest of yeah. the yeah, teachers, that's a I terrifying like. class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, honestly, um, Dudley getting his pig's tail is like a result of shitty transfiguration, isn't it? Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Although she is also lying through her teeth here because Harry and Ron goof off in this class all the time for their entire (laughs) tenure at Hogwarts. There's a point, I think, in book four where they're having a duel with a rubber chicken and like (laughs) a metal trout or something. And she Um, snaps at them. Yeah. Do you guys think that McGonagall is a legilimens? Is that how you say it? I think I wouldn't be surprised. You think she can read minds? I think it's entirely possible that or she's just that good. When I was reading it, I read it as Legolamens. Okay, that's um, probably better. So I just assumed that to do that, you would have to like actively do it. I would see her as someone who's like super noble. She would never use it unless she needed to, but she always had that power. Interesting. Use your powers for good and not evil. <laughs> and then we go to Defense Against the Dark Arts class. Um, yeah, they don't really talk about what they learn in that class conspicuously. Like, they just talk about coral. Well, and they think, well, literally, it just says, like, it's a bit of a joke. Yeah. Yeah. I think he just is, like, standing around, like, awkwardly telling stories. Yeah, I would assume that they're not learning much at all. Yeah, he seems really ill-equipped. I mean, in book five, it's mentioned that, um, I think Umbridge actually says that he's the only teacher they had that actually stuck to the curriculum. So, like, presumably he's teaching them something. I, it's just, it's never mentioned exactly what. Like, book three, they're mostly learning about, like, how to fight dark creatures. Book two, they learn nothing. Book four, they learn way too much. 
So I just, I, I'm just really curious as to like what a normal bog standard course of uh, defense against the dark arts like entails. I think that really Lupin did a like a really fine job, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Lupin did like a really solid job, but like in the class where like Snape substitutes for him, he's like, you should already know all of the stuff that he's teaching you. Cause like he's, he's catching them up from everything that they didn't learn with Lockhart, but I'm just right. wondering what they learned in their first year. Yeah think about how McGonagall teaches transfiguration for all seven years. Mm-hmm. So she knows exactly what the fuck you learned in your mm-hmm. first year, seven years later, but Defense Against the Dark Arts, it just is a different person every year, and it's it like you said, it's like really different styles. So they probably ultimately, most of the class probably learns very little. Well, can, can we talk about a little bit about why you guys think she chose to make that a um, uh uh what word am I looking for right now? Um, make that a thing? Throughout like a, ru- like a running that. thing? How they- yeah. A motif. Yeah. Why, why do you guys think that she chose that? Was it just an easy way to introduce new characters who were tied to the dark arts, maybe? Um, or what do you guys think? I do think it is a very convenient way to introduce new characters. I think it also is interesting that we learn really soon, I think in the last chapter, Snape has always been after that position. Mm -hmm. I think that the dark arts is a little controversial. So um, I don't know. I think it's just kind of used as a tool, really. I think it definitely brings in like outside elements. Like it's a really convenient way to bring in outside elements of like, the rest of the magical world and not just the teachers that they have. I don't know when it's exactly mentioned that like, there's a rumor that the position is cursed. Is it, Mm -hmm. is it in book two when they're like, no one else will take it. Okay. Uh So I'm just wondering like when exactly she like decided that like, Oh, well Voldemort wanted that position. And like, since he didn't get it, like it's kind of, he may or may not have cursed it like actively, but I think it's definitely a useful motif just like, to shuffle the teachers around and keep getting like new characters in and new influences. It also gives Professor Snape, the potions master, like a little bit of an ongoing vendetta for one of a better word. Like you have to keep him actively pissed. He can't just be like forever pining for Lily. And like, this is just my life now. Like he's actively pissed every year that they don't give him this job that he's been trying to get all these years yeah i think it's i mean it's like a pretty standard thing in writing that like when you're developing a character they always have to want something so like it does Mm -hmm. give snape like something consistently to want because the thing that he actually wanted is no longer around yeah and that's Hmm. not very like entertaining for the reader to just be like okay well great you want this dead lady like i guess she was cool but she talks (laughs) so much about her green eyes like just shut up about your eyes bitch just kidding, we don't know that. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so then we get to meet the potions master. Well, not wait, 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 wait. Wait, so wait, wait. First, first, they go to breakfast and Harry gets some important mail. Oh, yeah. So oh, he does yeah. The, his first mail ever, which is like pretty fun. I, I think we all know as adults that like mail is fun as long as it's not bills. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and anytime Hedwig's in it, I'm just. We just need to take a moment. <laughs> Pay some respect. Honor Hedwig. Hedwig. Pour some out. Everyone pour some out for Hedwig. I just like <laughs> Hedwig. Like her personality is really like my cat. Honestly, like she just like flies in. She expects cuddles. She eats your food. And then she's like, okay, I'm leaving now. Bye. Like I'm sick of you. 
But would your cat give her up her life for you? Certainly not. <laughs> That's the question. <laughs> Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> you couldn't pay her enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she brings a note from um from Hagrid, which is like so cute because I feel like Hagrid comes into the castle to eat sometimes and he could have just like asked Harry, but he like couldn't <laughs> get mail. He's like, damn, I bought him that owl. He's probably not getting any mail. That's so awkward. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think about thought, that. That's so sweet. Yeah, it's very sweet that he he sent a little letter. <laughs> and then um well, yes okay so then that gives him something to look forward to during double potions with the slytherins which like don't they have potions with the slytherins for the whole rest of their schooling yeah yep like yeah, why don't they just they switch do. it up dude nope i think they would but I don't nope, know. The schedule's the... been done. The schedule's been done. The schedule was done seven years in advance, <laughs> and they're in double potions with the Slytherins every week, and that's just how it works. That's how, um, like, you... that's how retail employers be. They'd be like, oh, you can't take off because the schedule's been done seven years in advance. Hey, that's real, though. <laughs> that's real. It's hard to make people's schedules, Christina. Okay. We've all been <laughs> there. wants off a different day, okay? I think putting the Gryffindors and the Slytherins in like a double class together, like, is the concession for not putting them in any other classes together. Like, look, they hate each other. We can either put them in like Transfiguration together three times a week, or we can put them in potions together for a double class once a week. Oh, Those I are kind your of, options. I kind of thought that double potions just meant that both classes were there, but you're saying that it was probably twice as long. Oh, I always thought yeah. that too, but like... We had a double block in school. Yeah, yeah. so I think it's yeah. a double block, and like you would need an extra long block to oh. brew potions. You're probably completely oh, right. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Do you think he gives so them a break after a long class? I, it's no. Snape, of course not. Break for what? <laughs> to piss. To piss. <laughs> to whine? To cry? Well, you should have peed before you came into class. Ten points from Hufflepuff. (laughs) You can pee in in your cauldron. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Wait, there's a joke in here somewhere about the golden cauldron that Harry wanted from Diagon Alley. Oh no! Stop! There's a joke somewhere. Figure it out on your own. I don't like it. (laughs) Um, Anyway, can anyone do a good like Snape drawl? I can do the Potter Puppet Palace state pretty well. I know no. Haley was going to say that. Do it, Haley. <laughs> Harry Potter, our <laughs> new celebrity. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Round of applause. Excellent. <laughs> what a dick, right? Like, it's seriously, like, okay. Okay, the whole Snape thing is one of those things where, like, I became an adult. The first time, when I read the Snape, Snape Resolution, in book seven, I was like 17 years old when this book came out. And I was like, this is not fucking right. This guy's been a creep this whole fucking time. And I thought no. there was a good reason. And there is only a shitty, shitty, shitty reason. And right off the bat, he comes off so strong with the child abuse. I cannot handle it. Thoughts I think thoughts? something that's really interesting to me, like just reading this after, you know, doing so much assessment of the Dursleys, is that I think that 
Snape's psychology with regards to Harry here is kind of comparable to how I view uh, Petunia, because I think part of the reason Petunia was so horrible to Harry was because she didn't want, like, she knew that eventually he was probably going to find out he was a wizard, and she didn't want Dudley feeling like he was second best the way she felt she was second best to Lily, so she went out of her way to make sure that, oh, Duddykins, he's so special, he's the best. Like, oh, shit. He's the most loved, like, Harry may have magic, but you have me. And I think that, like, Snape is kind of assuming, like, Harry's going to be a little shit like James, and he doesn't want, like, the other students, like, in the class with famous Harry Potter. Like, I think, think this is how he's rationalizing it to himself. Like, yeah, oh, I don't want my other we... students to be, like, feel like they're being overshadowed. Like, I need to show the, like, the Slytherin kids, in particular the poor hated Slytherins, like, oh, well, he may be Harry Potter, but he doesn't know jack shit, so don't be intimidated. I mean, yeah, he literally immediately just starts projecting James's character onto Harry. He assumes that Harry has not cracked a book open this whole time. He hasn't done anything to prepare. Uh, and he thinks that Harry sabotaged Neville to make himself look better, which is, you know, a little bit of a James character trait. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I almost immediately. I almost think he's like he doesn't even think that's true. He just knows it's like a possibility. So he's like, "Did you fucking do this?" Because like your dad was a dick and he would do this shit. Yeah. Yeah. So the and- trouble comes like later when he like never ever relents. Yeah, yeah, like, at a certain point, he's gotta know, like, from the other teachers, like, no, he's really quiet and polite, and I'm pretty sure he's been extensively psychologically abused. <laughs> and Snape's like, don't fucking fall for it, I know his little tricks. <laughs> <laughs> Down the road, it doesn't make as much sense, uh, maybe in a different way, but at the beginning, it, it, it makes sense, because the big issue that he had between himself and James, Snape and James, is that James, everything came easy easily to him. He didn't care. He had a very carefree uh, way of viewing friendship and uh, and his schoolwork. And Snape took it very seriously. He was a nerd. And he got made fun of for it consistently. So, like, now Snape is in this power position. Also, and you use proving passive that it's important voice. To be a nerd. Uh-huh. You use passive voice, but, like, like James was the one in acting. Right. Like, he was the bully for so much of it. And so, like, mm-hmm. it really leads you to wonder the extent to which Snape really was like traumatized by the way he interacted with James and the Marauders, because we get to see that little snippet of, Oh my God, that like whole scene by the lake where they like flip him upside down. Like that is so like, as a reader, that was so traumatizing to learn about James, you know? And if that's like the reality of the kind of person he was like, Snape probably is just like, has been carrying all these feelings for so long. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I one way I feel like JK is incredibly unfair in these books is the way that she makes the reader think, wow, how awful is it that Snape is attributing these characteristics from a father down to a son, but she consistently does it with all Slytherins, first of all, mm-hmm. and then definitely with the Malfoys, um, and really any Death Eater. So like, a lot of the Slytherin house is children of Death Eaters, known Death Eaters, and she really doesn't give them any sort of chance. You know, if they're tied to if they're tied to Slytherin, if they're tied to the Malfoys, she doesn't really give them any chance to be better. Malfoy gets slightly better, kind of, um, <laughs> but she really attributes it very quickly to oh, that's your family. This is what you grew up with. You can't be better than that. Um, and then we're 
but we get so upset about Snape doing the same thing. Interesting. I think that's yeah. true um, to a pretty far extent, but I would uh, point out that, like, first of all, most of the books are from Harry's perspective, and, like, he doesn't really attribute the Slytherins being shitty so much to them being, like, the children of Death Eaters so much as, like, to just fucking Slytherins. Um, and, like, it's a house rivalry in their teenagers, and I get it. Um, oh my god, I completely forgot my second point. Shit. Yeah, good, because I disagree with you. Fuck! <laughs> well, I will, I'll take this opportunity to jump in, but only because you said it's from Harry's perspective, and that's why it's, like, just a, a house rivalry happening. But throughout the books, it's one thing that really bothers me throughout the books is that all of Hogwarts tend to treat Slytherins as one group of just awful people. Like, um, when the, I think in the seventh book, I guess, when the battle is starting, they put all of the Slytherins in the dungeon, which yeah. is terrible. Like, it seems terrible. Like, I, it's really bad. It'll be interesting when we reread it and I try to break it down, try to, try to see it from her perspective and their perspective. But, uh, yeah. Sorry. I remembered. I remembered. Um, wow. So I think part of it is also just the, that, like, a lot of these kids who were kids of Death Eaters, like, the difference between how they're sort of treated by um, a lot of their classmates and the way Snape treats Harry is that, like, Snape is hardcore projecting on Harry, who never had any personal influence from James, whereas a lot of these kids of Death Eaters grew up with their parents, basically being told, like, it's us against the world, everyone hates you, everyone's going to hate you, so you have to hate them back harder first, which is kind of what happens with Draco. Like, Draco just comes out of the gate being a little shit. And I think that, like, Crab and Goyle and probably, like, Millicent Bolstrad and all those other kids were kind of taught, like, you're only friends with each other, don't trust anybody else, like, these... Like, here are the families that are okay for you to interact with, and everyone else is an enemy. I still think that, like, the Snape situation still made me sad. Like, it's kind of funny to think about how, by the time we actually meet Snape with Harry in this chapter, there's this massive backstory between Snape, Lily, and James that's at play. Um, I think it's safe to say that Snape has some regret uh, about how things <laughs> went down with Lily. So I, I'm just a little bit bummed to see Snape being so unkind to Harry when he really could have taken the opportunity here to right some wrongs from his past, you know? Oh, um, are you sure you are not Hufflepuff, Grace? I don't know. I feel like I'm Hufflepuff cuss. Um, yeah. I just feel like Snape has a second chance here and he doesn't take it. Isn't he working for Voldemort already at this point? Possibly. Cricket. In, in this book? I think that even if well, he's working I mean, like, for Voldemort at this time, that doesn't mean he has to actively be such a raging asshole. Like, he could just, like, not be very helpful. You know like, what I mean? True. The fact that's that he, like, true. he's not technically, like, he's already turned back to their side. Like, he's already working for Dumbledore at this point. But, like, the fact that he starts off being such a raging asshole is why every year Harry thinks that he's, like, at the bottom of whatever the fuck is going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He really causes a lot of his own problems by being such yeah, a dick. Yeah, he just makes the wrong move every time. And I'm like, Nate, come on, dude. Because he has these conversations with Coral where he's obviously pretending to be working for the Dark Lord 
at this point, right? Who I don't know if he necessarily played that card with Quarrel. I think he just kind of like implies to Quarrel that like, hey, buddy, I can help you out. So in my mind, he's already he must already be working with Voldemort and know what's going on. He, he must be able to tell what's going on and be pretending to be on all on Voldemort's side with Coral in order to get more information. If he already it's knows. Hard. It's well, hard to in- say because like, you have to think about like, was Voldemort like, Hey, Coral buddy, I'm on your noggin. We're in this together. Actually. Like my friend Snape is at this school that you work at. You might've heard of him. Um, can you go like <laughs> tell him that I'm attached to the back of your head? There's like a whole series <laughs> of things that have to have happened. I think at this point, like, Voldemort, one, thinks that all of his followers have, like, betrayed him to some extent and, like, doesn't really trust any of them anymore. Um, and also, like, there is that scene uh, when Harry goes through Snape's memories in book seven where, like, it's a memory from, like, Harry's first year of Snape talking to Dumbledore and being like, this kid's such a little asshole. He's exactly like his father. And Dumbledore's like, first of all, you're seeing what you want to see. Secondly, uh, how about you keep an eye on Quirrell because he's up to something. I don't know what, mm-hmm. but he's up to something. But I think Snape is, like, smart enough to know that, like, if Quirrell is involved with something sketchy, he knows to choose his words carefully enough to not give himself away either as a Death Eater or as an agent for Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay, so maybe he's he's just aware enough that he's not cutting himself off from possibly being, possibly working from either side. Yes. I think definitely during this intermediate, you know, intermediary period between, like, the two ends of Voldemort what am I trying to say? The you know two I mean. ends of Voldemort. <laughs> you know, the period between Voldemort number one and Voldemort number two. <laughs> I th- whatever. I think he's probably <laughs> just reserving both of his cards, like you said, because he like has no idea how it's going to play out. But at the same time, when Voldemort comes back to life, he is mad at a lot of his followers for abandoning him. But it seems like the only ones he's not mad at are Snape and Marty yeah. Crouch Jr. It like really seems like they're the only ones. I don't remember him being mad at Snape. He no. was suspicious of Snape initially, but like Snape was able to finesse his way out of it. Yeah. Like, oh, I was just I was just remaining in place at my post to act as a double agent for when you came back. I was under Dumbledore's nose. I couldn't bring you back myself. He was watching me. It's kind of tragic the way that Snape his entire life is just like so laser focused on Lily. And the only thing he really is ever good at is like being a double agent. Maybe he's good at potions. It's too hard to tell. He's great at teaching potions. (laughs) But he is like a very good spy. And like until the very end, we don't know what side he was on. And even after he dies and confesses himself, I still am like, whose side are you on, motherfucker? But even that, he was only put in that position and he only like took that upon himself because of his like, his like grief for Lily. You know what I mean? Yeah. His story is tragic. That doesn't mean I empathize with him. I definitely did. I don't want to harp on this too much, but like for me, I got the feeling that he was never quite an evil person, that he maybe was, maybe was a little too apathetic. I I never got the feeling that he was an evil person where he would have chosen to be a Death Eater on his own. I don't think he does though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think he's evil so much as just petty. Like he's, he's a child of trauma himself. Like he's, he's bitter. 
Yeah, he's very bitter. bitter, And like that drives most of what he does. Like he comes into Hogwarts already kind of feeling like, you know, he's, he's been abused his whole life. He comes to Hogwarts thinking like, everyone's already going to bully me, like they bully me back home, except for my one friend who's now like becoming friends with these other people. And she's in this other house. And like, progressively more and more, like he keeps getting bullied at Hogwarts. So he joins with the people who hate his bullies. And it just keeps going from there. The cycle of abuse. Yeah. Well, sad. Harry makes his first potion, right? <laughs> yep. We're yeah. not told how it turns out. His first potion is to cure boils, which is also scary. You have to put that on your face. How do they, seriously, like, I know that they test some, like, they talk about testing some potions sometimes. Like, they test that one on um, Neville's Toad and... Definitely in year six, I remember, like, Slughorn testing with, like, a leaf or whatever. But, like, these, like, boil ones, like, how do they know if it works? Who's testing, like, who has all these boils? And who's testing this boil (laughs) potion? I'm assuming that Snape knows some way to test it that's, like, not necessarily on a boil. Like, it would be where if he pours it in a certain way, it turns a certain color, and therefore you know it's the right potion or something. Yeah, I I think... I think consistently through the books, like whenever they're in potions class working on a specific potion, it's like, oh, it's supposed to be a bright acid green with like purple smoke. And if it's not that, oh, then you've yeah. clearly done it wrong. <laughs> they, he, uh, Snape has like a, like an answer key. Yeah. He just has like litmus paper. Do you guys remember how in like high school, your, your um, teacher would have like that really souped up version of your textbook with all the answers in it? Yeah. I wonder if they have that at Hogwarts where he has like potions, whatever book, but it's like got all the answers in it. You mean his old textbook that he wrote in? (laughs) Oh, Oh. we'll get to that. (laughs) Uh, All right. Where the fuck are we? We had a terrible time in potions. (laughs) I wanted to ask you guys if you ever had a teacher that was like this to you, not necessarily with such hatred, but just like Mm. a teacher that just like really sucked and was unfair because I I'll tell you why it's because while reading this I was like man but why can't they just like go to the why can't they just go to Dumbledore and be like this teacher is being unfair we should get points taken away for not actually doing anything wrong but like thinking back to actual school you didn't get to do that either if you had a teacher that sucked you just had to deal with it for a year I definitely had a couple teachers like I remember I'm not going to say her name, but I remember my sixth grade history teacher told us she hated kids, like, to a bunch of 11-year-olds. And we were like, yeah, she hated her job. She was so ready for retirement. And, like, you're right. We just were like, ouch. And we didn't tell anyone. And we're like, the whole rest of the year, we were like, this bitch hates us. Yeah. (laughs) Right. You know, yes and no. I had, so, like, third grade, they were doing, like, renovations on my school. So... My third third grade class was in, like, a computer lab with another third grade class for, like, half the year. And the teacher for the other class, like, our teachers would kind of trade off. The teacher for the other class hated me specifically. She did not like me. This was Alabama. I had brown hair, which is a no-no in Alabama. Everyone has to be blonde. Um, And, (laughs) like, that was actually a thing that came up in a parent-teacher conference, apparently, because my mom, like would have to have meetings with her and the principal being like, hey, you need to stop being such a cunt to my kid. And apparently at one point she was like, well, why does she have brown hair? 
And my oh, mom was like, my God, because what? her father and I both have brown hair. Every woman in the state of Alabama is five foot three and has blonde hair and that like, I need to speak to the manager haircut, like all of them. Again, them. tell us, tell us your favorite thing about Alabama. Hit us it's up. A nightmare. At- <laughs> but she just fucking like I had to go to the bathroom at certain times of day, and every time, like ten oh three, ten oh three, I've got to go pee, and I would raise my hand to go pee, and she like without even looking at me, she would be like, "No, oh, bitch, <laughs> you know I have to go." <laughs> anyway, I think I had a lot more Remus Lupin. As opposed to Severus Snape, fortunately oh, for man, me. Oh, man, so lucky. Yeah. Wow. I know, I feel blessed. I feel blessed. I feel like I had some teachers that I thought were really awful in elementary school, and then you get older and you're like, no, we were awful, and they're trying to control us. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. But then in high school, I had some, like, I can think of two in particular, my stats teacher, my French teacher, who I feel like at that point I learned that there's two different types of teachers ones that want their students to pass and succeed and ones that try to trick them into failing and think that that's a good way of teaching them um and these two professors you could feel that they were like trying to trick you into into failing and I, i you know i formed my opinion about teachers that the other kind of teacher was probably the better kind of teacher but I was probably a really obnoxious student because I would always forget everything. And then I was like really embarrassed and I would like cry about it. And that was probably kind of a nightmare to deal with. Like a Neville. Oh my God. I was was a total Neville until I got to college. (laughs) Speaking of Neville, he has to go to the hospital wing. Oh my God. Like Uh, really? The first of Um, many visits. The first of many visits. And like Neville seems to be the only other person that Snape really truly hates as much as he hates Harry. Like, do you think it's just because he's pathetic or do you think it has something to do with, like, the prophecy, having some, like, inner knowledge about it? Yeah, it could have been Neville. I think, been it's Neville. The, I think it's just because he's pathetic. I don't think he <laughs> could know at this point because I don't think Voldemort has told anyone else at this point. Well, Snape was the one who heard the prophecy. Yeah. And he knew yeah. that it could apply yeah. to either uh, he's the Harry one who or Neville. the knowledge along to Voldemort. And oh my god, guys, I feel so dumb. I completely forgot about that. I kind of forgot that too. Don't feel dumb. But that is his, like, I guess his, like, big regret, like, the big redemption he's doing right now. Wow. Well, I mean, art I don't, right yeah. now. I don't is he think doing he, like, it? I don't think so. I will say that, like, I don't think Snape kind of, like, it came into the room expecting to hate Neville. I think Neville <laughs> earned his ire just by being really, like, bad at potions. I get and it. I don't think Neville's even necessarily bad at potions. He's just stressed. Like, he doesn't <laughs> work Neville, well under dude. pressure. Yeah. I don't think Neville, he works well under anything, really. No, <laughs> he, he needs, he, like, he a gentle... He needs, like, an alternative school where people are like, you get to pick your curriculum, and, like, we're gonna grade you on excitement. Oh, you mean the kind of school <laughs> that I went to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Grade you on excitement. <laughs> Uh, well good okay they have a terrible class Neville goes to the fucking infirmary and then they go at the hospital wing and then they go to Hagrid's which like what a relief and then we get to meet a dog yes Fang oh the goodest boy I love him he really Fang really I'm sorry Grace go ahead um I was just calling Fang the goodest boy that ever was that's all no no that's an important that's an important addition because he is the goodest boy that ever was (laughs) And he's such a big good boy. 
Yeah, yeah. He, he totally makes me think of my pit bull. Like, I have two dogs, and I love them both very dearly. But the pit bull is, like, so loving and does not know personal space whatsoever. <laughs> like, wants to meld bodies with you. And so Fang is, like, just on top of Ron uh, the whole time. <laughs> Aww. I, have, I have these friends who have an English Mastiff, which outweighs me by 30 pounds. Like, that's not... I, I'm small. That's not super difficult. But, like, it's still a little intimidating to meet a dog and realize that its head is bigger than yours. Yeah. And, oh, my God. Like, when I read Fang, I kind of picture, like, that dog. Like, oh, God, I get it. Like, how... I'm honestly kind of impressed that Ron is keeping his feet here. Especially because a dog, like, a third of my size is, like, almost as strong as me. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> so a good good dog in a cute little fucking cabin i want to live in haggard's house but without him he's big but like just by myself i'd be so nice those hams and so pheasants either. hanging from the ceiling <laughs> yeah. at haggard's house we learn our final important thing of the chapter which is we learn about the green guts break in latest mm-hmm. We learned that somebody tried to rob Gringotts, which we learned right away. Like, right when we got the Gringotts, it's like, don't steal from this place. But somebody tried to, and they didn't get caught, and nothing got stolen. So that's, like, the news. And Harry thinks it's his, it's the package that Hagrid picked up when they were there. Mm-hmm. Which he doesn't know what's in there, but he's just starting off real strong with not minding his fucking business, which he continues <laughs> for the next <laughs> several books. And he learned yeah. something very important, that if Uh, that he continues to use, which is, if you want to know something, ask Hagrid and wait until he doesn't look at you anymore. And that's your answer. Because that's Hagrid's response to any difficult question um, about something that Harry's not supposed to know. That's because Hagrid is also a very good boy. Yes, he is. He's a very good boy and a very bad liar. He's (laughs) terrible at lying. Yeah. Yeah. Aw. Well, great. We're at the end of the chapter. It was, like, pretty short, and it was pretty simple, which is good, because we're like, this is our first Skype episode. This is our first remote episode. It was pretty straightforward. Does anyone have any, like, final thoughts about the Potions Master? Uh, There is one line that I kind of wanted to bring up in the Hagrid section, where Harry and Ron were delighted to hear Hagrid call Filch that old git. (laughs) I just... (laughs) Does anyone remember, like, I don't think anything in this world, I will forever be chasing the high of the validation <laughs> of having an adult a- authority figure tell you as a child that another adult of- authority figure is wrong and bad. <laughs> like, because usually they will just, like, support each other un- like, mm-hmm. just unconditionally like, well, maybe your teacher just doesn't like it when you do... No, she's being a bitch. <laughs> Is this where I got my problem with authority from? Possibly. I just feel like if, an, if another adult is being wrong to a kid, then you should tell the kid, like, hey, you don't deserve to be treated that way. Yeah, it definitely feels like there's some sort of code here that Hagrid is breaking. Yeah. Well, he's not true faculty, so, like, maybe he can for now. Yeah, he can talk shit. Yeah. Filch, you know, all, everything that happened to Hagrid when he was at Hogwarts, Filch would have been involved in that and would oh, have true. been, like, probably obsessively involved in making sure he never does anything like that again. Not that he did it, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. So that's, a, are, that's a good question, though. Like, was Filch working? Because, like, Hagrid's in his, like, 60s. Yeah, interesting. Well, I just assumed when he they said that Miss Norris followed, you know, 
having well, read. Yeah, Phil probably knows about that shit. So he definitely has Mrs. Norris uh, follow mm-hmm. Hagrid around completely unnecessarily. And Hagrid's probably mm-hmm. like talked to Dumbledore about it. And Dumbledore's probably talked to Filch about it. And that probably hasn't stopped Filch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hagrid's like, Mrs. Norris is the only animal that I cannot fucking stand. Get that bitch out of my sight. He's not yeah. a cat person. <laughs> He's not a cat person. It's because it's not a cat. It's a person. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) There you go. Great fan theory that I look forward to finding more supporting evidence for in the future. So the next chapter is the Midnight Duel. I'm excited. I remember how this chapter goes. Let's go around and do some plugs. Some plurgs. We are all in self-isolation. I've been reading and watching so much. Like I've been consuming so many things including food so i know i got some plugs do you want to start with let's pretend like we're sitting at my table let's start with Haley. oh god don't start with me i've got nothing right now <laughs> okay let's pretend we're sitting around my table on a different day with a different organization let's start with grace <laughs> okay got it i have been reading this book has been on my shelf for a long time and i I've always wanted to read it, but I've been reading about a boy. Um, oh yeah, you guys remember that? Do you remember that movie with Hugh Grant yeah. from back? Yes, in the day? I do. I've been reading that book, which has been pretty fun. That's awesome. Yeah, Mary Payton, your turn. Well, first, I want to plug that I made a shirt, a t-shirt. Whoever's listening, um, please go to bonfire.com. It's a t-shirt that I designed. 100% of the net proceeds go to helping Richmond, Virginia bookstores during this crazy quarantine time. Because small bookstores and local bookstores already had a hard enough time keeping their sales up. And now without people to browse their shelves, they're really going to be struggling. So please support it, even if you're not in the Richmond area. This is just to show your support for local bookstores in general. That link is bonfire.com slash this dash shirt dash saves dash bookstores. So that's this shirt saves bookstores with dashes in between the words or hyphens or whatever you call them. Yeah, so please do that. And that's my plug. Haley, you still have nothing to say? Uh, dinner then dessert has a good slow cooker butter chicken recipe. That's all I got. Mm, Sounds delish. Hell yeah. So my plug, this is so stupid. I've been playing Animal Crossing New Horizon on my Nintendo Switch, and I fucking love that game. Animal Crossing on the GameCube is the first game I ever played in my life, the first video game I ever played, which opened my world up, you know, because it's so low stress, and little 13-year-old me, never had video games before, just playing on my little cube. And it's, like, the most zen stoner game in the world. Just, like, helping out your neighbors, trying to build a community, like, picking some weeds, cutting some wood. And I'm having a great time. And <laughs> and I could not recommend it more if you're the kind of person who likes to play things but doesn't really care about winning. Hashtag Hufflepuff. <laughs> uh. um, so my, <laughs> my sign-off is get the fuck out of my house, but you guys aren't here. <laughs> Oh no, it's so sad. Should I come over to your house so you can tell me to get the fuck out of your house? Yeah, I'll just go lock the door and set the alarm right now. So you can go <laughs> right away. Wow. <laughs> I guess just, like, stay home. Like, get get so far out of my house that you are safely at home, flattening the curve. There you go. <laughs> Flatten that curve. Done. There we go. And done. Alright, well, that's that. Goodbye, everybody. The Restricted Section was created and hosted by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. 
technical support from Sean Watson. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at restrictedsectionpod or shoot us an email at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or lavish praise. Haley, you've seen my my mouse pad at my home desk. Yes. I It's Daenerys Targaryen and she is naked and my wine glass is right on top of her boobs and it's making them jiggle. Anyway, Hogwarts. <laughs>